from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for January 20th. That's a Thursday of the year 2022. And uh, if it's late January, it must mean that Tory Pines and the Farmers Insurance Open is pretty close. That means the CBS golf season is pretty close, and that means we get to talk to the uh, talk to the wonderful, wonderful. Um, future Mrs. Amanda Balionis. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jeremy. You are welcome. Um, So, you know, it's crazy to think that um, golf season's already here because we're just getting off of football season. We're still in football season. Um, And for you, um, two of your games this year intrigued me mainly because uh, they involved... My Jets, who I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just looking for positive games to be strung together <laughs> in all facets, and it just does not seem to be happening. And, um, you know, you covered the Houston game, which they won, and then the Philly game, where the Philly offense uh, scored on their first seven possessions. Yeah, and it was like all the positive momentum I felt after the Texans game just evaporated. And mm. so, from your perspective, Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, you were there for Zach's return against Houston, where he looked like a completely different quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, where's your head at when it comes to just from being inside it a little bit? Um, what this Jets' future is? Yeah, you know, I think. This was, and listen, Robert Sala told us this, told everyone he was, I think he's an amazing coach, um, really, really impressive transparency in terms of telling the media, I think, um, as much as he can tell us, and with, and with pretty um, impressive honesty, but this was a building year, right? This year was to figure out the pieces that they have, the pieces that they need, um, and, and how they take that into small incremental improvements throughout not only this past season, but through next year, too. I think they learned that their OC, um, you know, LaFleur, he does a better job in ways on the booth rather than when he's on the field. Um, they realized that, you know, Zach Wilson didn't really know what he didn't know or what he or the calls that he did like. He didn't really, he wasn't even settled in enough to, to be able to, you know, be a part of maybe that decision-making as much as, they were maybe expecting uh and he was just trying to be such a perfectionist i think which is probably what most quarterbacks uh expect out of themselves and they come from a really successful college career and then are a high draft pick uh and are kind of dubbed the you know the future of the franchise but i think what they realize is man we got to quiet zach's mind a little bit they bring in john beck his personal quarterback coach and listen, I mean, Zach ended the year, I think he went, what, his last five games without an interception. So I, I think we did see progress. Uh, I, I think the defense showed a ton of promise. Uh, they showed some really great moments throughout the season. Uh, they just needed to find a little bit more consistency. But listen, I think Salah will tell you this, the honeymoon's over, right? You get one year to kind of just say we're building, and, and I know that they were working their butts off. Um, all season long, and I think year two is, I think they're hoping it's going to be, and I think it, it likely will be the year that we see a, a hopeful large jump 
uh, in terms of results from year one to year two because, you know, it, it's not, it, it's just like in golf, right? You can see a player miss five cuts in a row and then all of a sudden they win, right? Or they have a top five finish. Yeah. And if the viewer or media, we say, man, what was the big change? And oftentimes they say, no, there was no big change. I was really close. I just need a couple more things to lock into place for me. Um, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's very dissimilar uh, to what the Jets think they have on their hands. It might look far off uh, when you look at results, but I think they believe they are moving in the right direction and their pieces are falling into place. They just need a couple more things to lock in during this offseason. And I, I think I think Jets fans are going to be as happy as Jets fans can be, Jeremy. <laughs> um, I hope so, Amanda. I hope so. Um, one last Jets question. So often in this city, in New Jersey, in New York, it's about respect and having the respect of the locker room. From my position on the outside, it seemed like these players really bought in. Was that the same impression you got? Yes. Yep. It's, it's actually it's amazing. I remember talking to CJ Mosley, and he said, I never really wanted to be a part of a rebuilding team or something like this. He said, and it's, it's actually the best thing that's ever happened to me in my career Um, that's how much he bought in to what Robert Sala is saying what this whole team you know the mission that they're all on together I I think it was it was really cool to see an entire team buy in to to what this plan is right I mean Rex Ryan made some serious headlines when he when he called out Sala and then he met with him and came back and said never mind this guy has a great plan and I believe in him 100% so um, I think everyone who's kind of behind the curtain uh, understands what the big picture is, what the big plan is. Um, and if, as long as you, like you said, as long as you have the locker room bought in, you have the front office bought in, you have the people who are, you know, closely tied to the organization bought in, I, I, I don't know. That, that, to me, always feels like it's a recipe for success. Um, it sure sounds like one, and let's hope that it comes to that um you know, comes to uh, uh, comes to that in full next year. We are talking with Amanda Balionis here on Teeing It Up. CBS's uh, PGA Tour season begins next week at the Farmers Insurance Open in a special Friday Night Lights edition. The Saturday finish, Friday five Eastern, Saturday four thirty p.m. Eastern. Uh-huh. When you go on the air next Saturday, you are going to con- sorry next Friday. Jeez. Um, you are going to continue or have a chance to continue one of the most bizarre streaks right now. You, Seller Shy, Frank Nabolo, Colt Nost, and whoever else was on that CBS team that also was in Dubai. You guys are on four straight playoffs and three <laughs> other playoffs since June. What is going on? It is, uh, it, yeah, it is so much. I have to tell you, so... I looked it up, I think, at some point last season, and I was like, this feels like my first year that I was covering the PGA Tour in 2011, where only it was less fun for me because I was working in an office, and so it just meant I was stuck in that office for a lot longer right. <laughs> for these playoffs to end, and I, and I looked it up, and it was pretty similar. 18, I think, is the record of playoffs in a season, and that was in 2011. Uh, and I think at that point, I just kind of thought that's how golf was, right? Like, you don't realize at the time, like, what a, you know, w- what a weird thing this is. And yeah. then 
Uh, yeah, last year went there were 14 playoffs, and not including uh, the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship, the you're referring to, uh, where Kana Nakajima won. Um, 14 playoffs, and it felt like we did almost every single one of those as well. So um, it is so much fun when you get to be on site for those. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, the, the way that my job works is probably around with two holes to play, um, I you know unhook from the set and my producer and I will head down to the 18th green and we we get settled and we you know come up with a bunch of different options for you know possible uh, you know questions whether we get one whether we get two you know what all the situations scenarios might be and then you get to just watch it unfold right in front of you um, and there's nothing like it right well the only thing that is better than that is when all of a sudden you realize, nope, we're not done yet. Um, and you just see the emotion and how these guys handle playoffs differently. And, and the fans, right, having the fans back for, for these playoffs is the best thing of all time because they're so into it. They don't want to leave. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's just such a fun environment. I will tell you the one that I did not want to end uh, was at Travelers, right, with Harrison yeah. Bush, Kramer, Hickok. Two, un, two of the best guys, right, on tour. You knew Kramer was trying to make it happen. His wife and family were there. They didn't. Kramer didn't know they were there to surprise him. Um, so I know they're up there on the hill hiding and going back and forth between the holes with his new puppy. Um, you know, and then there's Harris English who hasn't won in a bit, um, and you know what a you know what a great player he is and how hard he's worked for this moment to happen again. Um, and you just felt like, man, these are two unbelievable guys and players who both deserve to win this. Uh, you know, Kramer's making everything. Uh, the drama was just unreal. So, uh, you know, that was one that I, I just, you know, we were, what, eight holes in, and I was yeah. we kept going for another, another eight. I don't think anyone would complain. Uh, but it's just so, it's just such a different vibe and environment, and it's, it's just very cool, and it's, a, it's really cool when the fans all stay. You know, it's yeah. this private moment that you're sharing with everybody, um, you know, in that kind of surround sound type arena. And um, and you know nothing will ever replicate it like that again. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just really fun. And it's it's very cool to be a part of. And we get our extra steps in, as Colt will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm thinking about this sitting here. Um, I, I think I have this right. That was the one where Sam Burns and his wife also wanted the win because there was like a wine glass thing yes. that they were trying to open. <laughs> I mean, it was, you told that story in between a couple holes at one point. I'm like, oh my God, now there's another player who has interest in this yeah, um, outcome. Yeah, you know, that was a, so Sam and Kramer are super close, and that was one of those stories that was kind of weeks in the building. Kramer was in... I forget why I had this graphic built, but I had talked to Sam and his wife weeks earlier, and I can't tell you how many things we build in terms of player profiles, interest stories that just don't get on air because there's just no time, right? Yeah. But you always keep it, and you always hope that it will come back to relevancy, um, you know, sometime down the road that season, or maybe I can use it for future seasons, you know, if it still plays, whatever. And that just happened to be one of those things. And Sam walked by me um, when I was on set, and I had that picture up for some reason. Uh, you know, because I'm, I'm obviously doing something with Kramer that week. 
And uh, he walks by and he said, well, you know the story behind those Magnum bottles, right? And I said, no. He said, well, we made an agreement that we wouldn't open ours until we won. So Sam had just won. He had just opened his. And he goes, so Kramer really wants to be able to open his now that mine's open. And that was it, right? Like, it was just that one impassing 30-second conversation, and it added a whole new layer, um, you know, to this story that I think just made Kramer more relatable and more likable. And, um, you know, those are the things that I, I always love to be able to tell because I'm sure Sam didn't think anything of it. But to me, I'm like, man, viewers... Viewers are going to love this as much as I love this. Uh, so if there's time to tell it, we we got to do it. Those reaction shots from the from uh, uh, from the Burns clan and that oh. were just hilarious. It's like I know. they were so invested <laughs> in it. It was yeah, but like that's another thing. That's never going to happen in another sport, right? Yeah. Someone you're competing against is never going to stay there and be living and dying by every putt made or missed because they want to open a bottle of wine with you. Like, that's what makes golf so cool. Uh, and those are the stories that just make it so much fun. And it's the perfect kicker, too, because it's alcohol. And let's face it, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, everybody loves the 19th hole. Um, so it just it just made sense in the moment. Um, yeah. Speaking of CBS and building graphics, um, I was on the CBS... Um, uh, preview conference call yesterday and your producer seller shy uh, was talking about how your smart cart has gotten a complete transformation for 2022 and is no longer a cart I know Jeremy if you have any suggestions on what we should call my set area now I'm open to them because <laughs> I, I always call it the smart cart area <laughs> and now we are Sam's cart so uh, maybe it's just the smart area I don't know but um, yeah, you know, listen, I think if you're not evolving, if you're not always trying to push the envelope and see what we can do differently and better, like you're, you're not improving, right? So I love that smart card. That smart card is what gave me my opportunity with CBS. Um, I will forever be grateful for every single person involved in making that card happen. Um, but we thought that, you know, it, what else is out there? I, I think we were all very intrigued by this by the ARL that we started to implement um, a little bit last year with the 3D um, graphics and what we can do with that. The ARL team's down in New Zealand, and they're amazing, right? So I think we said, okay, wait a second. There's a lot more we can do here with ARL without, um, you know, something behind me. You know, maybe it's less of a distraction and we can focus just on this 3D um, technology that, you know, we can show these holes in a more in-depth way. We can show the wind direction. We can show scorecards. We can show social, social media. We can do so much. And I think we've only really tapped into the surface level of what ARL can do in these interactive moments and make it feel less intrusive um, and more additive. So... Listen, we're going to see what happens. I can't wait to dive into it. I will say my biggest fear is I've always said I would be the worst weather person because I can't look at a screen. If I look at a screen and something's on my right, that means I should go left. 
but usually that means I try to go right first. So yeah. um, everyone can track at home how many times I point to the wrong side of the screen because I think I'm pointing to the correct side of the screen. <laughs> That's the one uh, growing pain I'm a little bit nervous on, but I we will get through it. <laughs> um, the way sellers made it sound, though, um, it's going to be like a player able to look at his look at a replay of his shot virtually and that just yeah. sounds like a fifth dimension type really cool thing yeah <laughs> it could have yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, uh, that's what we want to uh, do yeah. right like we want to bring viewers stuff that they've never seen before that they've that they're gonna say whoa wait a second and i can't tell you how many times even last year when we started to do a couple things like that and how many players said during the interview whoa that's cool you know, so I, I think if you start to get that reaction from guys who have been around this game and around these interviews for so long and they think it's cool, to me that's a great um, mark that viewers at home are also going to be interested in this. We are talking with Amanda Balionis here on Teeing It Up, and uh, Sellers also said that, uh, and look, I might say this sentence, and, and you just may say nothing because it might say enough just as is, that in Phoenix, on the 16th hole next uh, uh, this year, you and Colt Nost are going to have a thing. Some kind of a setup. Uh, does anything else need to be said? <laughs> I mean, honestly, the fact that anyone is trusting Colt and I together, especially on the 16th hole of Phoenix, it's either genius or, or this will be a one-off that we all look back and say, wow, they really trusted us to do that. But... No, I mean, listen, Colt and I have been really close friends for a long time, and I love working with him now. Um, he is, his golf IQ is through the roof, um, and I think that is what makes Colt so special, is his, he's so witty, nobody's going to outwit him, but he also is going to drop some serious golf knowledge on you in a really fun way. Um, so I really just hope that I can help the someone that taps into that that can showcase just have a lot of fun with him while also leading him to like teachable moments right for viewers and yeah. golf so and there is no one that knows how to have more fun while also playing great golf than colt knows like it, it, 16th hole is built for him having him on 16 on a set is built for him so i think really you should be praying for me to survive that saturday because colt's going to be thriving um, he may have the most fun of anybody just saying it's a seven iron from 142. Like, he just finds a way to make those things sound like he's having a blast, and it shows. But that's cool. He yeah. does. His perspective on golf and life um, is what really all of us should should aim to be like. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he understands the fact, listen, but Cole probably loves to still be playing, of course, right? But that's not in the cards. And he's and, and now he knows, okay, if that isn't in the cards, I'm going to go to something else involving golf because I love this game so much and I'm going to make it fun for everyone and my life is still better than pretty much anyone else's because I still get to call golf my job. Right? Like, his perspective on it is just unbelievable. There's no bitterness. There's no there's no anything. He just takes what life has given him, which is a lot, and he appreciates every second of it, and he wants everyone around him to appreciate it, too. Um, he's just he's a contagious personality. I, I can't tell you how happy I am that 
I get to now call him a coworker, uh, you know, a colleague as well as a friend. Cause yeah. I just think he's going to up the positivity and he already has, right? Like, I've heard Nick Faldo laugh so much when Colt is on an air. It, 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 it's just, it's fun, man. It's fun to watch Colt bring the fun out of every one of us. Especially those Thursday, Friday telecasts that can uh-huh. sometimes and, and let's just be honest, sometimes you don't have the greatest um, lineup in terms of who's in the field, and sometimes those broadcasts can can can, uh, 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 can kind of wag. And he's just, you know, he's there with that one punchline that just gets you to realize, oh, wow, okay. There's Colt <laughs> yeah, Nost again, doing Colt Nost things. Always on. He's always ready to drop some sort of joke on somebody. So you you got to stay on your toes at all times. Um, but yeah, that's that's what makes him great. Speaking of people that do things that make us shake our heads in bewilderment, um, Phil, um, <laughs> and what happened last year at, at Kiowa? Um, mm. What was so crazy about that to me, besides the fact that he had no form going in, the fact that he, you know, held off uh, uh, Brooks, the fact that that he did all the golf things, is he was talking so much all week about mindfulness, 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 and and you're somebody certified yoga instructor who um, can speak to this way better than I can. When that mob at 18 happens. How he kept his composure for that second shot, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think enough people give credit to how Brooks Kepka kept his composure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think people just forget that was even part of it. Um, you know, I think both of them, I think it was honestly, and I think Brooks kind of spoke to that, it was scarier for Brooks than it yeah. was for Phil because everybody was basically walking you know, assisting Phil to his shot and then up to the green uh, to go make history. Meanwhile, you know, Brooks and Ricky are just kind of trying to get through there um, unscathed. But it, uh, yeah, that was a moment I will never forget for the rest of my life, standing behind 18, the 72nd hole. It literally was something out of a movie. I mean, the amount of fans that were there when I tell you, I mean, I'm looking up on the scoreboard, right? And there are fans that have climbed up that ladder with their legs dangling, <laughs> sitting on the scoreboard, oh my right? God. Like, fans were everywhere just trying to get a view yeah. because they all understood what Phil was about to accomplish. Um, and that was just like, I still get goosebumps even thinking about it. Um, was it a line we probably ever want to see crossed again? No, uh, but it happened. And in the moment... It was it was beautiful and scary all at the same time. Really, is, is the only way I can describe it. You know, it's it's obviously a scary. You know, you talk about being in a pandemic. You talk about everything that was happening in our world at that time, um, and that's the biggest crowd I had seen in two years. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but just to be reminded of how sports and and sports moments can bring us all together, and just watch the pure joy on thousands of people's faces, and watch people just truly be in the moment, um, you know, talk about mindfulness, right? Like that was a perfect example of being present. And every single person in that moment understood what they had the privilege of witnessing. And uh, yeah, Phil did an unbelievable job of holding his composure. I thought Brooks did an unbelievable job of holding his composure. And uh, that was one of the, 
you know, obviously it was my first major championship trophy presentation I, I got to be a part of, and I can't imagine a cooler moment to be a part of than, than that one at Kiowa. And just witnessing, you know, through so many trials and tribulations the whole world was going through to watch everybody kind of take a break from that. You know, it kind of provided this respite. And everybody just enjoyed that moment. Um, it was it was very very cool. I was going to ask about the presentation because first of all, you did a wonderful job with that. Oh, thank you. Um, but secondly, that's a, a very odd situation in that you're suddenly speaking in front of literally way <laughs> more people than I think you originally thought you would be speaking in front of. Was yeah. there ever a moment like as you're waiting for? Jim to throw it to you where it's like oh my god I cannot you know these people are like right here next to the green like was there ever a moment of like oh my goodness well that's like my whole life right every every time I can't tell you my heart is beating out of my chest every time I I'm given the opportunity to do a winner's interview right because mm. you understand that you are you're talking to someone who just had one of the most important important moments of their entire life right and so you never want to mess that up. You never want to be a hindrance to that moment. You always want to be an additive to that moment is, is the way that I look at it. And especially, especially in that moment, right? Bill Mickelson is making history and all of these fans are witnessing something they're likely never going to see again in their lifetime. Um, and I honestly, yeah, I wasn't sure if like my voice was going to go over the loudspeaker or if I was just speaking to the camera. <laughs> I will say that was part of it. I was like, how loud am I supposed to? Am I supposed to be projecting my voice or is it going to come off like I'm yelling on camera? Yeah. But I figured um, that was not the moment for me to worry about that. Our technical crew was literally the best in the world. So I knew if I was yelling, they were going to make me sound normal. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I honestly feel like you just feed off of that adrenaline from the crowd then. You know, like, I think if you try to fight that energy that, that you're getting from them, that's probably where you get yourself in trouble. Like, it's okay to accept that energy that's around you and try to harness that and relay that to the viewers at home. Like, hopefully they, they felt a little dose of what we were all experiencing there in person at Kiowa. It, those drone shots you guys had during that mm. whole sequence were just like, oh, my God. It was amazing. It, it, it was amazing. It really was. Um, speaking of of uh, people who reached uh, one of life's pinnacles, John Rahm became a dad last year, um, yeah. which is something that he will obviously never forget. He also ended up in quite possibly the most surreal moment in recent CBS uh, golf history with what happened at uh -huh. Jack's place. The thing that I took from his entire 2021 is that there is nothing that can phase this guy anymore. Yep. He reaches the, you know, he's running away with a golf tournament, which we had not seen yet in 2021, basically. Uh -huh. Gets knocked down, wins the U.S. Open two weeks later, is on a, you know, uh, yellow brick road for the Olympics, gets told nope again. Yeah. Uh, what can I, I? I literally feel like the sky's the limit for this guy because I think he's experienced so much so fast. Well, and he also he wants to learn 
how to expand his mind and handle situations to the best of his ability. Like, I, you know, I'm a, I, I minored in philosophy in college, so I am, cons- I am constantly, you know, reading about, interested in, p- like, picking people's brains of people who want to be better, right? Understand themselves better, understand the great philosophers, you know, of the past and the great minds of today and, and understand how to use all of that information to to make themselves the best version of them they possibly can be. And John Rahm is, is that exact same person. Like, in his spare time, he reads philosophy books, right? Like, he's reading about theories on happiness and, you know, on whatever, whatever he wants to evolve in. He, he is constantly searching out information on how to be that and how to be better. Um, and I think that's exactly what you see reflected not only in his game, but in the way that he approaches his game, right? Like, you could look at what happened at Jack's place as, poor me, this sucks, which, by the way, it did suck, right, for everyone. No yeah. one wanted that to happen. It just, it, that, there's only one way to describe that, and it's sucky. Um, but he could have looked at that and victimized himself, right? He could have said, you know, this is what's happening to me. But instead, he turned that on its head and, and basically said, this happened for me. This gave me, you know, an added fire to go out there and win a major championship with my son there to watch it happen. And listen, who knows what would have happened? Maybe he would have gone on to win Jack's place and then gone on to win the U.S. Open. But that isn't what happened, right? What happened is something, you know, hard happened to him and he used that as added fuel to to turn that into something positive. And I think the fact that he understands how to have that perspective at such a young age, truly the sky is the limit for him. And it has nothing to do with his physical abilities, which are freakish. It has nothing to do with his athleticism, which is also freakish. It has to do with the way that he approaches the game, he approaches his life, and how he is constantly trying to better himself. Like, I can't tell you how impressive John Rom is to me and it's the last thing that impresses me about him is his physical and athletic ability. Hmm. We have Amanda Balionis with us here on Seeing It Up. Um, there will be four LPGA events that will also end on CBS this coming year in addition to the PGA Tour events and the Masters and the PGA Championship. And you will be able to see in those four events many of the players who um, our guest got to see at the Solheim Cup uh, this past September. I think it was September. Was it September? <laughs> Time flies these days, Amanda. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I, I found so wild about that is I'm looking at who's on the first tee, and that's Bubba Watson with an earpiece and everything. Yes. Um, and... <laughs> I love the fact that I guess he knew Pat Hurst personally, and that's why he signed up for the gig of, of uh, kind of being this unofficial um, captain. But as you look at Bubba, who's who, who has had some uh, peaks and valleys in his game, and, and, and most recently he's in a valley, what do you think that week may have done for him? It seems like he's been branching out beyond golf and in various areas of his life, his own personal golf, that is. And I think yeah. that could be really good for him. Well, talk about perspective, right? I think Bubba has taken it upon himself to understand that he can 
do and be so much more in this game of golf, um, you know, than, than even a, you know, just be seen as Bubba Watson, a PGA Tour winner, Bubba Watson, the the big bomber, left-handed, you know, hitter off the tee with the pink driver. All, all of these things we think about, we think about Bubba Watson. I think he's realized he can use all of that to to make this game that he loves so much and has given him so much better. I mean, I, I will tell you, I watched Bubba Watson the last two editions of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. He is there behind the 72nd hole, and he is there to shake the winner's hand, and he is there to shake everyone else's hand, take pictures. He wants women to see that he is there and he is an ally, right? He is showing up, yeah. and, and it's not... It's not out of some weird sense of obligation or because someone's asked. He wants to be there. He wants to grow this game in meaningful ways. And I think he knows by showing up, that's meaningful, right? Him being at the Solheim Cup is meaningful. It, it is meaningful when guys who follow him, men who follow him, and maybe don't respect the women's game or maybe haven't even thought about the women's game as something that they could watch and enjoy as much as they do the PGA Tour, they see him there and they're like, wait a second, <laughs> if Bubba Watson thinks this is cool, maybe I should check it out too, right? Like, that's meaningful change. Um, and he also is learning from these women, right? And listen, I, I interviewed him on that first seat and he said it, like, the, these women are insane, insane athletes. Watching them vomit off the tee, watching their accuracy with their irons, with their short game on the greens, like, he said, I can learn so much from them, just like they can pick my brain as well. Um, so I think Bubba is understanding one perspective in how he can be a major impact uh, to growing the game of golf. But I also think he understands there isn't just one way to learn how to better yourself as a player. And he understands that, you know, as much as, you know, the top, you know, just as much as the, you know, the top women in the world maybe can go pick the brains of, of their counterparts on the PGA Tour, the same can be done for PGA Tour players picking the brains of the top women, you know, L, uh, on the LPGA Tour as well. So it goes both ways, and, and I think he was literally just showing that as well. I think last year was a breakthrough on that on multiple fronts too, and, and I think the LPGA hoodie is a great example of that. And the more PGA Tour players we see rocking that hoodie, the the you know it, it'll be that much better for the women's yeah. game just for awareness. And I think all all all, all excuse me, all those Golden State Warrior players wearing it, same yeah. kind of deal. Um, there. Okay, we have um, when when you asked me, or, or sorry, when I asked you. Um, <laughs> You asked me. Um, I, I ask you uh, the best of the best for Brooks, Jordan, and Ricky. You said uh, you said Mr. Kepka, and and you I were correct. <laughs> and then Jordan had a nice little back uh, 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 bounce back here. So yes, you did. you were one for one with this prediction. The reason why I'm bringing this back up is not is is not to uh, just say that that you went one for one, but to also say that Ricky showed signs in the fall. He showed signs towards the end of 2021 into the you know fall portion of this season for kind of turning a corner. And I'm just curious, especially seeing all his friends, 
he's a new dad himself, hashtag perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, where this is going to take him, because I feel like he is very much like Jordan. It's just, it may take one or two times in that final group, but I think he's close. Yeah, I listen, I think we, we saw him in the mix um, multiple times last season, you know, and, and I caught it so funny because I would text with John Tillery, Ricky's coach, and it was pretty much always the same conversation where he said, listen, our major changes are done. Now it's just getting the reps in and Ricky trusting the process, right, and trusting himself within that process. And that is any athlete in any sport, Whenever an injury comes and, you know, they're finally, you know, Zach Wilson's actually a really good example of this. You know, when he got hurt and he came back, he said he actually, he was he was physically ready before he was mentally ready, right? Like, he didn't yeah. believe he was really healthy enough to go out there and take those hits and make those lateral moves, even though physically he was and the doctors were telling him he was, right? So mentally, it's always, it's always what it comes back to. Um, and I think it's the same thing. Probably for for Ricky or for anyone else, you make you make some big changes. I think that that can take a little bit for you know for your brain to rewire itself to trust the new changes rather than defaulting back to what you've been doing for the X amount of years. That's just that goes back to you know the way our brains work, um, you know, and and the default and you know going back into old habits just because it's comfortable, right? So I think probably a lot of this is Ricky just trusting his process. He is an unbelievable talent. He is an unbelievable player. And for anyone to question that, like, you're just not doing your homework, right? Like, you can't question his innate ability and how hard he works because he does work hard even if he's not posting it um, on social media as much as people would maybe like. And I do think that addition of having a baby at home and understanding there are more things to life than golf, um, I think it's probably really helpful too, right? Like uh, so many new dads out on tour will tell you it's forced them to maximize, become more efficient with their time. They can't just go out there and senselessly beat balls and grind for eight hours a day anymore. Now there's a child that needs them at home. So um, I'll be interested to see how those changes, um, I think positively will impact Ricky and, you know, maybe he starts to work smarter, right? Maybe he starts to figure out a way that he can leave golf on the golf course and come home and clear his mind and reset his mind and enjoy time with his family. Um, and maybe that brings him uh, a newer look on, on the game and the way he competes. So um, I, I just feel like oftentimes because Ricky is so nice and it, he is so popular and he always has been there's like this weird narrative that he isn't working hard or he doesn't care anymore um i think it's the exact opposite of that if i'm being honest so mm-hmm. I, I do think that maybe this addition of um you know of a new of a new tiny human in his life and and newfound happiness um you know obviously he and his wife allison's amazing um, i think maybe this like newfound family happiness might be the best thing that's happened to him on the golf course because we've seen that so many times with other players. Yeah. Um, we, we have a couple more questions here for um, a, a four-hour friend, Amanda Balionis. You'll see her on the Farmers Insurance Open coverage starting next Friday. That's a Friday third round at 5 p.m. Eastern time on CBS 430 next Saturday. Um, 
as we look, you know, it's interesting because you bring up the kids factor. And um, you've got Rory, who let it all out at the past yep. Ladder Cup in a way that, I mean, I, I just sat there and went, oh, my God. Uh, and then he wins at the CJ Cup. And I just yep. feel like Amanda... And Nick talked about this yesterday on the conference call. You know, every Augusta, it's going to be brought up, brought up, brought up. We're getting closer and closer and closer every year to that conversation starting. And I just feel like this may be the best mindset that Rory has been in. Now he's just got to match up the game being sharp at the right time to the mindset because it sure seems like he's... Uh, uh, functioning is not the right word, but he's he's operating um, golf-wise mentally in the right space for the first time in a while after chasing distance, which he now says uh, was a mistake. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, it, it goes even back to like we were talking about with the smart card and now the, the new setup, right? If you're not trying to do new things, if you're not trying to evolve, you're, you're not trying to get better, right? So, um, yeah, maybe chasing distance in hindsight was a mistake, but to me, all that shows is that Rory is willing to do anything to to find his edge, right? And make it, I just can't imagine that would ever, you trying to get better, even though it didn't work, I can't imagine that ever be cons- being considered a mistake, right? I, he had to have learned something from that entire process, even if it didn't create the immediate results that he wanted. Um, but, yeah, I think mentally it's, it's interesting because I, I think the Masters is something, regardless um, of who you are, right? And Rory is obviously, this is on steroids for him because of what's at stake for him. Um, but I think all bets are off when it comes to most majors, but especially the Masters. I mean, the Augusta National is just such a special place with a special feel, and it's a place that no matter how how good of a mental place you're in, it seems like you have to, that's all out the window and you have to do a tire, an entire reset to get yourself into the mental space you have to be for the masters, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's like a, it's like a rivalry game, right? Like, that's how I see it. It doesn't matter if, you know, the Raven, Raven Steelers, it doesn't matter if the Ravens have been playing great, the Steelers have been playing terrible, or vice versa. When those two teams come together, all bets are off. It's a whole new narrative and ball game, right? That's just what happens in a rivalry game. And I, and I would say the Masters is kind of like that. It doesn't matter how great you've been playing, how poorly you've been playing when you come to the Masters. Uh, it's, a, it's a total reset, and you have to be in Masters mode. It's not going to be the mindset you have the rest of the year. I don't really think applies to that week, especially when you start to find yourself in contention. And I still stand by, I can't believe it didn't get more, um, people didn't talk about it more when he told us on air uh, two Masters ago that he, he loses, what, 10 pounds every every time he's there competing because that's how stressed out he is. That's right? Like, I forgot that about that. Yeah, I, I don't know why people forget it because I think that's the most telling thing <laughs> about Rory at the Masters, um, and it was so honest and insightful. Imagine the emotional stress you have to feel to lose that type of weight in a week. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, that's how stressed out he is. Like think about the stressed out times in your life. I think about the stressed out times in my life, um, and how emotionally exhausting and physically exhausting it is 
uh, for it to come out in that way. Um, and I think it was cool for him to share that, but I also think it was probably semi-therapeutic to get that out there and understand, okay, that's probably something I have to work on. <laughs> would, you know, and, and how do you do that? Um, I would yeah. absolutely think so because, it, you know, Tiger's talked about the fact that he sweats out, you know, so much weight, but that, that comes from just the sweat and heat and being Tiger. I had not, you're right, before that comment, I had never heard it termed as, as that being a weight loss due to stress. And I, yeah. I think it does speak to the weight that that event holds and how meaningful that would be for him to get over the top and be able to claim that green jacket. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of off-the-course uh, things, I, I have a question. I had a, a, a bunch of people say to me last offseason, where's Patrick Cantlay? Where's Patrick Cantlay? Where's Patrick Cantlay? And Patrick just decided to play the Ryder Cup and take the rest of the fall off. And, right. <laughs> and I thought, that's actually cool. He has decided that he needs a break. So I'm, I'm wondering if, from somebody who's, who's actually on the inside a bit here, who sees these guys at, at you know, 7 in the morning and, and 7 at night, why do these guys need to take such a big break? Because I think I think a lot of fans get confused as to why you see guys suddenly taking three weeks off after they after they uh, just played two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mix of things, and, and guys will tell you this. It's usually a mix of what courses they feel like suit their eye, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also it's just planned breaks because these schedules, these wraparound seasons. Are, are really strenuous. Like to to travel to travel X amount of weeks in a row, and then you know on top of that, you know think about everything that goes into that whole week, right? And then on top of that, if you're playing well, you're not missing any cuts. You're playing all four rounds. Um, you're you're exhausting yourself physically and mentally. It just something has to give, and that's that's honestly the beauty of being a professional golfer anyways, you get to choose your schedule. You get to choose when you need rest, um, you know, and they're just like every other athlete, right? No one is ever 100% healthy. No one wants to hear it from golfers, but these guys are never 100% healthy. So for them, they have to balance out their physical health, their mental rest, seeing their families, by the way. I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, especially if you have kids who are in school, their partners and children are not traveling with them every week. So how many weeks would you want to go without seeing your family? And then also figuring out what courses you're going to be able to maximize your talent on, right? So I think there's a lot of different um, points that, you know, guys use to map out their schedule. And then they're also very willing to be flexible with it, right? If all of a sudden they were planning on taking X week off, but they've been playing well, and they think, okay, well, maybe I'll add one more. They, they can go do that. Um, but I would say more often than not, if a, if a player is choosing to take time off, they either don't, the, the courses that are coming up don't fit their eye, they need some physical rest, they need some emotional reset time, um, or they just want to enjoy the fact that they're, you know, in, independent contractors and they have the they have the privilege of taking a few weeks off and going on vacation because that's what they've earned the right to do. 
And in the world of, of uh, Patrick Cantley, he's just earned $15 million from the FedEx Cup. So. Yeah, right. Or you just need time to go spend your bank account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, two more things here um, with, uh, 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 with Amanda. Number one, um, we are recording this on January 20th. This is a Thursday. For those who are listening to this between Thursday and Monday and may be located in or around San Diego or are traveling to San Diego, Mavericks uh, uh, Beach Club, 3 p.m. Pacific time, this coming Monday, the 24th, it is Amanda's second ever Puppies and Golf Foundation huge fundraiser. I'm not sure if that's the, the, the uh, proper title or not. You can correct me. But uh, look, uh, players, you know, Mark Leishman showed up to this thing, you know, two years ago, and he, and he won the golf event. So it may be good luck to, you know, come by and say hi to Amanda. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, Mark was a perfect example of good karma. You come up and you support us saving all of the dogs, and you immediately go and win a golf tournament. <laughs> um, I don't know if that if that promise has been approved by legal or not, but I'm going to say it for now anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you for uh, bringing that up. We are we are very excited. So Puppies and Golf, I launched uh, this foundation a little over a year ago uh, with the mission of bringing awareness and financial support to no-kill shelters across the country, something I'm extremely passionate about. Uh, supporting organizations that train service animals for our military veterans. Uh, we just actually donated $10,000 to Canines for Warriors uh, in December, and we hope that number continues to grow every year in addition to donating journals for the military veterans who are in that training uh, facility for three weeks at a time. Every military class gets journals um, to help them on their on their you know healing process. Uh, and we also support families that have emergency medical costs that they weren't expecting for their dogs uh, that maybe they couldn't afford otherwise. So we're just trying to keep dogs out of shelters uh, if it's strictly for financial reasons. So we have, um, those are our three main pillars, and we are hosting our big, like you said, fundraiser at Mavericks Beach Club in Pacific Beach, one of the best bars in all of San Diego. We have Heritage Links, uh, which is a great golf course design company they come in and they build from scratch a custom putting course so this is not like your average putt putt mini golf it is a true putting course with dog legs and bunkers and they bring in all their machinery it's amazing uh callaway donates all of their newest clubs for our simulator and the newest odyssey putters all la golf shafts is sponsoring us this year stiefel um Man, Tito's, so there will be booze for anyone who needs to attach their golf to booze. I feel you on that. Uh, and, and so much other stuff. So it's, it, listen, I try to make it really fun. Uh, it's really important to me that we keep it accessible. Uh, there, You don't have to buy tickets. You can just come in and spend as you please, donate as you please or not. Just showing up um, is a big deal as well. So, And we'll also have uh, amazing strays rescue there. There will be a bunch of dogs who are looking for their forever homes uh, and it's also dog friendly so you can bring your dog as well. So if you're around, come hang out with us save all the dogs at the same time and uh, maybe see 
the Nets Farmers Insurance uh, champion for 2022. Yeah, you never know. And then five days later, she'll be on the air with CBS to launch CBS's golf season, the 65th overall, I believe it is. If it I read is. the press release correctly. Yep, um, 65th year of golf on CBS. Which is crazy. Which brings me to my last question. And as much as, this que- as much as this answer is obvious, you cannot say that what you're looking forward to most in 2022 is your wedding. Sorry. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not allowed. I, I, can't go, I can't go there. So, golf wire. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so, for this golf season, what are you looking forward to most? Man, what am I looking forward to most this golf season? I mean... I don't know. There's so many great stories. I'm just, I'm, I can't wait to see who, I can't, I always love to see the players who we aren't super familiar with at the beginning of the season make a serious name for themselves, um, you know, throughout the season. So the new names that are going to prove themselves, um, I'm excited to see how John Brom handles, I think he's even now at another level of expectation. Uh, he's, he's starting to, you know, be one of those players where, you know, if he doesn't win a bunch of times, if he doesn't win a major, it won't feel like a successful year. Uh, so you're in very rare air there. Um, I'm excited to see how he handles that. I'm also really excited to see what Patrick Cantlay does. Um, I think he is going to walk away with a major this year. I guess that's my hot take. I think Patrick Cantlay, uh, definitely wins a major this year and yeah I think those are the things I'm excited for the names that we already know and the expectations are there how they handle it and who are the new guys that are going to come out and wow us because um, they always seem to be there right like who's going to be the next Will Zalatoris who, who's going to be yeah. that guy we say holy cow um, where did you come from and, and how are you doing this so effortlessly so uh, you know me Jeremy it's, it's the storylines for me I love all of the great stories um, and especially the ones that we aren't familiar with yet but we get to learn on the fly and we get to share it with everybody at home Amanda has talked many times about the passion of the CBS golf team. It is so passionate that Jim Nance is going to spend six and a half hours inside of a production truck at the side of the AFC Championship game to call this alongside Sir Nick and the rest of the team. Amanda will be a part of that. This is a crew that cares so much about the product. It came through loud and clear on the on the conference call yesterday. And I don't know if we'll have to call it like Amanda's virtual reality world or something, but we will come up with a name for the new cart that's no longer a cart, I promise. Uh, you know, people have told me my whole life I live in my own world, so you might be onto something there with that, with that title. I, I think that's a good starting point for us. Um... Uh, oh man, how do, how do I say thanks? Amanda Balionis, thank you so much for coming on to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Jeremy, and I'm sure we will talk later this year. Yes, I am. I would suspect at some point, and maybe by then, Patrick Cantlay is, is, a, is, is a major champion. Listen, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens in April. That's it, all I'm saying. Yep, I am with you on that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review, all those good stuff, and we will talk to you later.